You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, I'm Sean Tice, and this is Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. I'm excited to have Pastor Dave Houston with us today. Hey, it's great to have you, Pastor Dave. Good to be here. Pastor Dave is not just a, a, a pastor friend uh, that we we have a lot of pastor friends on here, and we're thankful for them. Pastor Dave was my youth pastor, and so I'm excited to have him on with us to talk about fatherlessness and to discuss um, not just my journey, but also the journey of of others that he's worked with, and maybe even share a little bit about his story of how he grew up. I know he he went through different things as a teenager as well with his mom and things like that. So why don't we just go ahead and have you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us about yourself. Okay. First of all, I have to say, Sean was a punk, an <laughs> annoying punk. We all but... are as teenagers to a point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Dave Houston. Um, I grew up in not in a pastor's home. Uh, my dad was just one of those faithful church members and deacons, and it was one of those things. We were when the church doors were open, we were always there. Um. But when I was in, um, well, I was 17 or well, actually, yeah, around 17, my mom started having some issues and long story short, when, uh, July 28th, 1983, my mom passed away from cancer and we just found out um, two months before that, the doctor said they, they went to surgery. She's, they said she has two months to live. Um, and then she's going to die. And that's exactly what happened. And so I know people were concerned about me and probably rightly so. And so, you know, it was one of those things. How is he going to respond? I have an older brother and older sister. I was still at home. Um, and, you know, I would say I did okay, but I did, you know, did some struggling. Um, a couple years later, my dad got remarried and my stepmom, I just got to say it. I hated her. At first, I thought it was cool because, you know, hey, now there's this other person to spend time with my dad. And uh, but I, I hated her. And um, I when I graduated from high school, I and well, maybe I should go back a little bit. When I was in junior high, God called me to preach and I did not want to preach at all. No way. I just knew those guys had no fun. Um, I thought preachers, I thought their jammies had ties on them <laughs> because, you know, a preacher, you never wore jeans or didn't do any fun stuff, didn't play sports, all the stuff I like to do. And so I'm like, nope, not doing that. And uh, I was just telling somebody the other day, I remember I was in a field at my dad's farm and my plan for my life was to be a farmer. And so I was in this one field. And it was probably 1983, 84. And I said, okay, God, here's what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to buy this farm. I'm going to be a farmer. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to work in, with kids in trouble with the law. I'll bring them here to my farm and um, I'll work them and tell them about you and everything will be good in the hood. And so I was running from God. And, and it's interesting how I was telling the Lord how my life should be. Um, but when it came down with my with my stepmom, you know, I grew up on a farm. I I was raised to be responsible. I mean, I ran equipment that could kill you. And then my stepmom comes in when I'm 19 years old, treat me like I'm like 14. She had never had children of her own. And um, so I just, oh, it just was, it was terrible. So long story short, I went to college 
And the reason was, well, actually, there are three reasons I went to college. Um, I hated my stepmom. The college when I went to visit, there were pretty girls there, and I could play sports. Those were the three reasons that I went to college. And I'm not very spiritual, but God used that in my life. And went to college, God started working on my heart. I came home, one of the breaks, and, and apologized to my dad and my stepmom. And I will say, I, I loved my, now my mom, stepmom has passed away. I loved my stepmom. Plenty of times I didn't like her a whole lot. So, you know, when it comes to these kids, when they, when they have a stepmom, a step parent, I get it. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes you just can't stand them. Um, and so, but I, I did love her and I had forgiven, I forgave her. Um, now that, another thing there, there are sometimes some bitterness and I won't go into a whole bunch of stuff, but uh, there's some bitterness that starts to creep up with her. Um, some things we found out after she passed away. Um, but you know, it's, it's a, a choice to forgive. And, um, so I, I go to college, God works in my heart. And I thought, you know, I finally, I kind of submitted to God in, in steps. I went and took a youth ministries major. Cause I thought, yeah, those guys have fun. They get paid to have fun. So I surrendered to be a youth pastor first. And then um, I thought, you know, I'd like to do camp work too. But then um, I, I started late college because I wasn't going to college. It was a couple of years before I went. Um, I got married for my senior year. God used my wife in amazing ways in my life. Um, but in November of my senior year of college, here I am, a Bible major, youth ministries major. And it was November. I walked out the backyard of this house where we were renting, and I finally said, "Okay, God, if you want me to be a senior pastor, I'll do that." And um, so that was finally all those years—probably ten years or more—that I ran from God. And um, so, God, eventually, I, I was youth pastor. I came to Blair County Christian School, where where Sean went to school, um, and I was a teacher for two years. Then I went to be a youth pastor in Tennessee for three, and God gave me my family there. We we adopted five children, and um, we went from zero children to five in one day. <laughs> and they were five, almost four, almost three, almost two, and 12 weeks when we got them. And then God brought us back here to central Pennsylvania to foot 10 again. And we came in 1997, September of 97 to be youth pastor. And that's when I met Sean and, um, I knew his older brother before that, when I was there teaching earlier. Um, and I became youth pastor as youth pastor for three years. Then in 2000, I became senior pastor at foot of 10, been the senior pastor since then. But something that's interesting in my entire ministry, um, God has always let me work with teenagers in some way or, or another. Uh, as a, I had finished my sophomore year, sophomore year of college, I started working in a youth group, big youth group there, about 150 kids. I got to work with them, to, taught a high school boys Sunday school class. And from that point on, so 1988, probably um, all the way through, I have had some type of ministry with teenagers and I love them. That's great. And that's kind of quick either. Yeah, that, no, that's good. And I appreciate you sharing that and the transparency there, of, you know, the things you went through. Do you think that, that, uh, you growing up and having that, that, you know, with your mom passing away at 17, do you think that helped you w relate to teenagers? I mean, obviously you, you do, but expound on that a little more. 
Yeah, I do. Um, because there are situations where um, I can talk to a teenager and say, look, I, I may not have been through your exact situation, but I've experienced loss. I've experienced a step parent, you know, some things like that. And then one other thing that I need to mention to you that it was crucial to me um, through this whole time, there was a guy It was in my in my school, man, the impact he had on my life. His name's Coach Wood. Um, and I learned a lot from him through sports. Um, boy, I could sense myself tearing up on this one. Um, we found out, see, mom was our the church secretary. She played piano. And um, after we found out about that she only had two months to live, they were going to announce it to the church. And I was sitting towards the back with my friends. And um, my one buddy that was sitting right on the, the aisle way, he got up for some reason. God, God had him get up. Um, and I knew that the pastor was going to get up and announce the church that um, – sorry, that mom only had a couple months to live. Hmm. And um, when the pastor got up to announce it, Coach Wood came in and sat down next to me. He never said a word. He put his arm around me and held my shoulders. And he sat there like that for the entire time they made the announcement. Um, and then after that, I think I, I think they were getting ready to sing a song or it was going to be the offering pretty quick. And he was one of the ushers. And so Coach just sat there with his armor on me hmm. and then he sat there and he, it was time for him to get up and go he gave one more squeeze stood up and walked out that meant more to me than anything anybody did through me losing my mom yeah. and and that was just huge so you know if you're if you're somebody that works with teenagers or works with kids and they're going through a tragedy and and i'm just as guilty as the next guy when you think you just got to talk, sometimes just shut up yeah. and be there for them. I'm telling you, what Coach did to me uh, for me that, in that was, I mean, still, um, I was 17 and I'm 58 right now. Um, that was a long time ago. And, and that still makes me tear up when I think about how he impacted my life. Yeah. And that's so powerful because I think people will overcomplicate this issue of mentoring and impacting youth. And you know, sometimes it does get really messy and it can be really challenging, but sometimes it's just putting your arm around them and saying, Hey, I'm here for you, or not even saying anything like you said. And so I think that that's really helpful. And, and I, sometimes people think that hey, I have, I have to have gone through it myself. And I know you went through it. I went through it. But if you're listening to this, you don't have to have gone through something in order to care for somebody. You could put your arm around them and help them with that. Now, going back to you, you moved there when I was I was in seventh grade. And that's what I wanted to you know, talk. definitely want to talk to you about, because uh, there was rumors of this Mr. Houston guy coming back to um, Blair County Christian School, foot of 10. You were a teacher there at the school. Now you were coming back as a youth pastor and we needed a youth pastor. And so. Um, I was excited. I didn't have any idea who you were. I was just this crazy seventh grader that just was getting in trouble all the time. And and I we had a Bible teacher for our Bible class, and I didn't like him. None of the kids liked him. And we knew you were going to take over our class. And I, I remember writing on my book, Mr. Houston, Save Us. I remember if I wrote that down because <laughs> the class was so terrible and boring. And I, my sister said you were good people, so I believed her. She was, my, she was kind of my leader. And so I'm like, okay, I trust April. And 
some some reason she thought you guys were amazing. I don't know. She she met you. <laughs> I, I she met you. I didn't. I don't even remember meeting you guys. I mean, yes, you came and candidated, and I didn't remember that. But she thought you guys were incredible, and I I was, I was just oblivious to reality. I guess you know in seventh grade. <laughs> And so she's, she said, these peace people are going to be great. And I'm like, okay, April says they're going to be great. So I believe her and the little brother syndrome. Right. And so I yeah. said, okay, yeah, I'll believe you. And you guys showed up and you guys impacted my life. And um, just by being present and, and inviting us into your life of and you and you, like you said, you had five small children, you know, how old were they again? When we got them, they were five, almost four, almost three, almost two, and 12 weeks. When we came there, they were probably six. Mike was six, five, four, three, one, something like that. Yeah. I mean, you still took time to care for my sister and I and all the youth group. I mean, you tried to you work, work with them, but you would do special things with us. Now, what was the intentionality there with us? I know you invite us to your house and stuff, but looking at the background of it, do you remember? I mean, I know it was a long time ago and I joked with you about if you remember, but do you remember the intentionality as a youth pastor saying, hey, let's focus on these these kids? Um, no, I don't remember the, I mean, the specifics, except that I look in in looking back in all these years, um, God has always drawn me to the rascal. That's <laughs> that. I mean, that was you. Um, I I always it just. I mean, it's I, I I don't avoid any teenager. I love kids, um, but I've always and and I was a rascal as a kid. I have always been drawn to the the more rough. Um, I guess now, now in our terminology date, the traumatized kid, I just, I, yeah. I always have. And, I, and that's just, so I can't say that's anything. Look how wonderful I, that's what God built me to do. Yeah. So what, what did you guys do intentionally though? I mean, cause you invited us to your house. I mean, we were, we would go along with you to just come over and hang out. I mean, remember Miss Beth Ann making elephant ears. I remember just watching, you know, watching movies at your house going, we went along with you on a couple small trips. What was, what was the intentionality there? Somebody listening so for somebody that's a youth pastor now, or there's somebody that's working with teenagers. What would you say to them, you know, with what you did for me, um, how, you know, what did you do intentionally? You know, to, to um, make, make sure that you, you impacted our life. Well, and see, there's part of that is you, you I mean, intentionality, you've got to make sure you're ministering to the family God's given you also. Yeah. Um, and so ministering to your wife and your kids. Um, but also it, it just, it, it was just one of those things. See, as you're talking about intentionality, I just tried to follow God because I can't yeah. say, oh, well, you know, I read this book and I did. It was just like God's going here, invite them over, um, have that just uh, like Coach Wood. When he came up and put his arm around me, um, I, I don't think th there weren't the books out then that there are now. It was just I, I really believe God tapped him on the shoulder and said, go sit with him, put your arm around that kid. Yeah. Um, and so with you guys, um, I've been drawn to the rascal. I knew, you know, the 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 single mom home you were in, and God just drew me to you guys, and it was like, here, have them over. And I guess also I should say, my dad and mom, um, there was a, a girl, I remember, she was a lot older than me, she was the age of my sister, um, she used to go on trips with us, and they'd have her over to the house a lot, um, and she was from a really rough family, I think her dad was like a major drunk and so she had a really, really rough home life. And mom and dad just had her 
just made her like a part of our family. So I grew up that way. And then God just kept sending, sending. So, you know, a youth pastor, just be sensitive to God. And you know what? Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves and God, I hate to say it, but numbers and what does the other local youth pastor or what the other pastor think of me? You know what? Throw that out the window. We need to please mm-hmm. God and and just let God lead you one step at a time. And I something that just recently I've been I've been telling our teenagers because you know, we, well, you know, Sean, but our youth pastor of nine years, God moved him. Nothing, nothing bad. I still love him to death, but we, we don't have a youth pastor right now. So I've been working with the teens, which I love. And I've been telling the teens, Hey, start to ask each other, how's your walk with God? How's your walk with God? Well, then I realized I wasn't doing it. And this, this one, one night I'm sitting with my wife and, and this teenage girl texts me and was asking me a question. And it was like, the Lord said, ask her, um, how her walk with me is. So I text her, how's your walk with God? And she sent back, it's pretty distant right now. And I'm like, man, I mean, cool. Not that she was distant with God, but God told me to do that. Then, oh man, three or four days later, she texts me again and um, said, Pastor Dave, yesterday I turned the radio on and there was a song. Um, I think it's called Jesus at a Distance. And And she said, that really spoke to my heart. And here, God just told me to text her, how's your walk with God? And then he had her turn a radio on at just the right time to the song, Jesus at a Distance. And in that, it's talking about um, being close enough to the fire to feel some warmth, but far enough away to hide, something along that line. And I'm just going, wow. And, and so I can't overstress enough, just obey God. You know, as I look back, what was the intentionality of having you guys over other than God going, hey, have that knucklehead come over to your house? That's, you know, yeah. that you, know, you can't write a book on what I'm saying, but, you know. It, no, no. It, I, yeah. Let, let, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. I mean, really, I think that was comes down to in ministry. So, and sometimes and then sometimes we suppress that because there is that kid that we're like, hey, I don't really want to work with him. But God's telling us, go spend time with that kid, even though they are annoying or they aren't somebody you'd want to be around all the time. But we have to, and and we have to work with this. And I, and I'm I'm same same as you probably because, you know, you work with me. I'm the same. I I go after the kids that are you know usually people don't want to be around and they they don't want to. That's the ones I like to work with. Be you know I like to work with all kids. I mean honestly, I, I love teenagers and and I think when you're once you're a youth pastor, you're always a youth pastor at heart. Um and and. and that's you, right? <laughs> you you love you love being a youth pastor, and I do too. I love teenagers. I love working with them. I, I, it's so fun. But sometimes there is that kid, that little rascal that in the youth group that that some people shy away against. I just did an interview right before this one with a guy that he said that people were telling him he was going to get locked up and stuff because he had he had anger issues and behavioral issues, and his mom dealt with depression and things like that. And so, but people were just kind of going to throw him away. And, you know, I even worked with a, a teenager recently where this, this uh, person told his mom, Hey, you're going to, he's going to go to juvie, you know, and just trying to just saying, Hey, look, we're going to throw this kid away. And I, I think um, changing that mindset saying, how can we help this kid? Right. And what I, so what I love about what you're saying is you just invited us into your life. I think, I think we overcomplicate fatherless ministry with teenagers where we like, Hey, it has to be a program. 
you know, it has to be this formal program where we do this formal big brothers, big sisters type thing, which those things are good. They, they, they can work, you know, but it doesn't have to be that. Right. Is that what you're saying? Right. Absolutely. Um, just, uh, love them right where they are. Right. Just, just, I mean, you don't, and here's the deal. A teenager, well, teenagers are some of the biggest hypocrites that walk the face of the earth, but they can spot hypocrisy from miles away. So quit quit trying to, to act all whatever, like you're some Superman or whatever, and just be real, love those kids right where they are. And and you know what? If you don't love teenagers, you better you better question your calling. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be God here. No, yeah. Teenagers know if you love them or not. And if you love kids, I don't mean in a weird way, but you just love, love those kids. God has given you a love for them. Then love them. But if you don't, then you better start talking to the Lord and say, Lord, okay, if you want me to work with these teenagers, give them, give me a love for them. Um, because you are going to, you might as well pound sand than, than work with teenagers if you don't love them. Now, it's going, going to that, is there any practical tips you have for people that are struggling with connecting with youth? Um, anything that you would say, this is how you connect with them more in conversation? Because some people just can't connect. They just, they really struggle with it. Anything that you would advise on that? I know you naturally are able to do that, but anything you've seen that you're like, hey, try this or? Yeah, a couple things. One is get involved with what they are interested in. Um, I kind of stumbled onto this when I was um, working with the youth group when I was in college. Okay. Um, there was, I had the high school boys, the juniors and seniors Sunday school class, and they played basketball. And I remember this one big boy's name was Bubba. Well, that, that was his nickname, Bubba. And um, I found out that they had a basketball game. I went to their basketball game and yelled like a nut. I mean, I just and I would I had a cheered for Sean. You just yell like a nut and I'm cheerful, like, yeah, Bubba. And just the different guys were there. And and I even remember moving to underneath the hoop where he was and just yelling and box out and cheering for him. I'm telling you what, that is like that. That's like just it's just like a magic wand kind of thing. You go be interested in them, interested in what they're doing, yell for them. And that will give you connection right there. I mean, that that's. It, or go to their band concert, whatever it is, go and let make sure they know you're there because that is what will start to win their hearts. Yeah. I had a teenager one time that I was working with and he was ghosting me. He wouldn't respond. I'd mentored him for a few years. And then I finally just called him up. I'm like, Tony, what are you doing? I like, you know, I kind of yelled at him on the phone in a nice way, but I said, what yeah. are you doing? And he, for years, he's been talking about me leaving that voicemail on his phone. Um, I used to go to his games and his football games and yell and be Tony and you know, stuff like that. I love Tony. But sometimes they need you to you know be a little crazy, right? <laughs> and and try to yeah. have a little more, you know, a little more craziness with with their life. Now, talking to youth pastors and different people that are, you know, they didn't grow up without, you know, the mom or the the dad. What would you say to them on how to make sure that they engage with these kids? Because sometimes these 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 teenagers need a little more attention. What would you say to them? Like how how do I make sure I focus on these teenagers a little more? Um. Boy, that's that's really that's a really tough question because yeah. you and and we all have our um well God God builds us with a purpose. 
God builds us with strengths and weaknesses. Um, and so you might say, man, I'm, I'm more drawn to the, the really good kid, the little, the little always perfect child. (laughs) And so you'll have to work more at, at doing that, but be intentional to pay attention to these kids. Um, and, but those kids that are, have gone through trauma, part of it is, man, trauma is tough. My five that I adopted, well, we have a sixth one that, that came four and a half years ago. Trauma, it just rewire, literally rewires their brain. And so it is difficult um, it, to, to handle these things properly. So ask God to give you wisdom. I can't stress that enough. But also, ask maybe ask your youth pastor, ask your wife, hey, will you if if you see me paying too much attention just to one group of kids, will you point that out to me? Um, because if you if you are drawn to the good kids um, and you're spending all your time with them, these these other kids, they're going to they're going to blow you off and you will not have a ministry to them. Um, and, and so have your brain on. And go, okay, who have I who have I talked to this time? And and try to see everybody. Um, man, I just remembered, Sean, it, you probably don't remember it, but back in the day when I was youth pastor, remember, do you remember the newsletters that we put out? You might not. Um, in one of the newsletters, yeah. I put out a story called Seeing Andy. I got the author's permission. He was a youth pastor, and he talked about this one kid. He was kind of a nerdy kid and um, he would come in, he'd slip in. Nobody ever talked to him. You know, everybody, all the cool kids were doing their thing. And Andy came in and, you know, he was one of those scruffy looking little kids, just whatever. Nobody, he was the nerd. Um, And the Lord really kind of put on him to talk to Andy. And, and, um, but he gave opportunity for testimonies, you know, praises. And he said, Andy raised his hand. He was amazed. Um, and he said, I got a bike and he goes, you got a bike. He goes, yeah, it was a moped. And he said, and after that, he kind of sunk back into the wall. Didn't want anybody to notice him. And he said, Andy, I want to go see that, that youth pastor went out after afterwards and saw his moped. I think I don't remember if Andy let him ride his little moped around the parking lot, but the youth pastor got on the moped and rode it around the nerdy kid that nobody noticed. And, and he said this kid was so excited and um, th- that, th- but none of the other kids noticed him. And the kid said, well, hey, I'll see you next week. The next day, Andy was, I think it was the next day or two, Andy was riding home, riding somewhere uh, and got hit by a truck, mm. um, like a tractor trailer. And I'm trying to remember all the details, but he got drugged for a while and he was in the hospital and in a coma. And he said, at that point, all the kids in his youth group were visiting. They were taking him cards, taking him flowers, all of that. Well, Andy died. And um, he he talked about what a lesson that was to his whole youth group. And he said, no longer will an Andy not be seen in our youth group. And so the intentionality of that, man, that just, that struck me. And, and God used that, you know, never let an Andy go unseen. And so when it comes into youth meeting, um, I, I try to look out for that, that nerdy kid, because here's the deal. When the, when the beautiful girl or the athletic guy comes in, 
they're not going to have to worry about attention. Everybody's talking to them. But if you, the pastor, sometimes maybe even walk past the the athlete to go talk to the nerd, um, that that gives the nerd a little more like I, maybe I shouldn't say status, but it, it gives them a little worth, and and just have it where you're going. I will never let a kid in my youth group go unseen, and yeah. and you see that kid, and you know, and then just ask God to to um lead you and and do all you can to impact that kid's life well i think i think what you're saying too because i I mean honestly when i was in seventh grade i felt like a i felt like an outcast at our school you know i was one of the only divorced kids families and you know with all the other kids are intact and they a lot of them had they came from what i thought rich you know i thought they were rich but (laughs) i you know i came from a very low-income family living with my grandma my mom's living at another house with another guy and 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 uh my sister and brother were living there actually my brother had already moved to to las vegas but our family was a mess and you guys you you were very intentional saying hey i care about these kids and you would just do small things like you took me camping for the first time um I'd never been camping before. So not being as a youth pastor, not being afraid to take them on things you like to do because you like to go camping. And I didn't know what camping was. I mean, I would grow up in the, the city part of where we, we, we are. And, and so I didn't, that wasn't a thing for me, but I went and it was fun. You know, I got to eat food around the fire and, and, you know, eat and sleep in a tent, go to the bathroom in the woods. And we're not going to get into that, but you know, just <laughs> learn how like to that. do that. Yeah. yeah. Things I never did. And then even before that, we went through a mud pit with your truck. And these are core memories that I have great memories, stuff I never would have done if you wouldn't have invited me to go along. And to be honest, I was at the verge of, I was trying to, you know, get my mom to let me go to the high school, the local public school. I, I wanted to go play football, but I think having you and, and then I, you know, in the next year I met my future wife and I had different things pulled me back into the Christian school, but I probably, I had enough pull with my mom. She didn't even live in the house I, where I would have just been like, I'm going to public school, forget it. And I would have been out of there. So I think that your intentionality saying, I'm going to focus on this kid that because I didn't really have a lot of friends in my class, you know, a lot of the kids I was friends with left and went to public school. And so it was, you were came at a crucial time. And I don't even know how, how much, you know, how crucial it was, but crucial time. Cause I was just, I was kind of the outcast kid that, you know, everybody was kind of throw away Sean, right. It was just, you know, this kid that everybody warned the next year's teacher about, and you know, you internalize that. But then when you have somebody saying, Hey, come work on my truck with me and come camping or come to my house, you know, I only have five kids come, come that you, you added so much value to my life that it was like, Hey, I'm part of a family now. You know, there was other people in this, in the church that cared about me, but you just, I mean, you were really intentional. And so I, I think you laid a foundation. The way I look at it in my mind is you laid a foundation during those seventh, eighth, ninth, you know, whenever you were a youth pastor, that if I wouldn't have had that foundation, I think I would have cracked, crumbled, fallen up, fallen apart. And I wouldn't be in ministry today. I would have went, I would not I don't know where I probably would have, you know, going to public school, started drinking, you know, I probably would have went down the path of my dad, alcoholism. Honestly, that's why right. I think I would have, but God had a different plan and he used you to pour into my life. And so I think that it's so important to pour into those kids that are just going to fall through the cracks. Right. I, I think what you're saying is so true. Cause I was one of those kids that could have had, that could have happened. I had a big personality. I wasn't one of the ones that was going to be quiet, but I was also, I was allowed to overcompensate for my hurt inside. And so I think that, you know, anything else to add to that? We have about six minutes left. Anything else to add? Well, and anything that you can learn about trauma and even, I mean, think about this. When you see a kid walk in, you know, a guy, he's walking in like being a big tough dude. 
and and sometimes just like hey, I want to go get away from him. But but it, understand, try to well maybe speak teenager. Um, go, okay, the kid is a punk, but why is he acting that way? Yeah. Because usually when you see somebody coming in and they're over exaggerating something, they're hiding something. Um, mm-hmm. That quite often. You see a cocky kid walk in, there's hurt in the background. There's yeah. something super insecure about. And so to hide that insecurity, they're being super cocky. Or a girl that is over the top concerned about her her looks. Um, there's some insecurity there. And so ask God to help you and understand that. Because, you know, when when you see the, the, the cocky punk or whatever – you just want to like, eh, forget you, man. But understand there's something, there's a root under that that is causing that. Um, so look past the junk to try to minister to that kid. I also, I just keep, this keeps hitting my head. I think the Lord may be late, hit me with this too. Um, well, like Sean talks about, you know, me taking you camping. Do not go taking a teenager off by yourself. Oh yeah, I agree um, with that. Oh man, you are asking. It was a group. It was a group setting camping. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Always a group setting, because I I, I said this. I've, I've come across this. Um, if you're off by yourself, you know, with a teenager or something, it opens you up for either accusation or yes. temptation, and you need to stay away from both of those. You don't need to be off. I just read an article yesterday about some guy that is. Uh, the girl's 28, but she came and 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 he he sexually molested her, and and did whatever. Um, and they would go on four wheeler rides. Don't do that stupid stuff, um, mm-hmm. because the lives you can destroy. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just that kid, but generations of people. Because you go doing something stupid like that that feels good in the moment. And then it affects that person and their children and their their grandchildren. And and so do not be alone with kids. Um, I can't yeah. stress that enough. Um, be intentional about ministering to these kids. Be intentional about being staying away from accusation and temptation and let God lead you. And and man, the, the ministry, the, the impact you can have. On, on a kid's life is just uh, only eternity will tell, but don't be an idiot. Yes, exactly. That's so good. I, I really appreciate that. We got to wrap up. Um, I want you to tell, you're not just a pastor. You're not just a youth filling youth pastor right now, but you have a ministry that I want to let you highlight real quick. Um, Salted Springs youth ranch. And tell us about that and tell us what you do with that. Okay. Um, we have kids come up to our house, um, and, and we take horses and kids and put them together and minister to kids through that. Because like a horse, they don't care what kind of clothes you wear. They don't care if you're a nerd. They don't, none of that. And these kids can form relationships with the horses. I could tell you so much, but one of the cool things is like the, the horses sense stuff. And I have watched kids where Mom has told me the kid's given her fits, and then the kid will be in the arena on a horse, and that horse won't listen to them, won't do what they say, and the kid is frustrated. They're going, Pastor Dave, this horse won't listen to me, and they're they're, and I'm like, yeah, it is kind of frustrating, huh? And then I'll go, kind of like what you did to mom last night, yeah. <laughs> and and I have an opportunity to talk to him about that, but I'm it, at first I'm like, oh, cool coincidence. 
I have seen that happen over and over and over again, um, where just these horses and, and they are some of the greatest, um, therapists that God's put on the face of this earth. Um, but we teach, we say, and I know I don't have much time. We teach kids about horses, humans, the heavenly father, and sometimes some hard work. And, um, yeah, we, we've got a Facebook page. Um, and, and the salted comes from a, a guy one time saying, you, the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink is true unless you put salt in their oats. And so that's where the salted thing comes from. We want to make kids thirsty for Jesus Christ. That's awesome. I love it. I love what you guys do. Uh, salted Springs, do you have a website? Salted Springs? We don't have a website yet. We do a Facebook page. You can see what we do. I need to get a website okay. going. I just, I'm, I'm like techno terrible. And so <laughs> we need a website, but don't have one. But you can look at our Facebook page, Salted Springs okay. Youth Ranch Facebook. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. And how can they connect with you? You're on Facebook. What are, where are the platforms are you on? Um, you don't even Facebook. know. You don't even know. No. <laughs> He's a cowboy folks. He's a cowboy. <laughs> Listen, put me with kids and horses. We're good. Put me with technology. Forget it. <laughs> that's great. Well, Hey, the Salted Springs Youth Ranch, check them out. Uh, foot of 10 independent Baptist church. I look it up on Facebook and I'm sure you can find, find them, but thanks so much for being on with us, Pastor Day. We really appreciate you. And I'm, I'm just thankful for the, what you've done for my life. And I'm just, just glad to have you. And we're glad to be back in Pennsylvania with you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you here and enjoyed this, Sean. Really enjoyed it. Well, thanks for being on. We're going to get kicked off here. Have a great day, Pastor Dave. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fodlessness. We want to now challenge you to take the next step by e either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is the one thing they're lacking is that community. Just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation. Everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And, and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. And if your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today.